Our scripture today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be the fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and, his, and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's uh, really lovely to see all of you here tonight and uh, thanks for making the time on this very special evening, uh, Christmas Eve, as we uh, look forward to whatever uh, tomorrow holds. My name's Dan and uh, I'm the pastor here at Cornerstone. If this is your first time, welcome. Uh, if, you're regular, if you're part of our regular family, then it's great to see you as well. Uh, after, um, after decorating our tree, so we always get a, a real tree uh, from Thomas's down on uh, McCordick, and after decorating our tree, uh, we do this thing as a family, okay? Wendy makes hot chocolate with marshmallows and a candy cane stuck in it. Uh, we then turn off all the lights in, in the house except for the tree lights. Uh, we then play uh, an album by Mr. Kenny G called Miracles, the holiday album, and if you have a certain penchant for holiday saxophone then you may want to check that one out and then I used to hate it but uh, after being married to Wendy for 20 years I've grown to uh, actually I wouldn't say enjoy it but something akin to enjoying it uh, and then after once once that's playing we sit in silence cradling our hot chocolate uh, while festive saxophone fills the air and one or two of the kids invariably lie under the tree and no one talks it's just us Kenny G, hot chocolate, and the lights. And until after a while, which may be 20 minutes, maybe half an hour, someone starts to whisper, and then another person starts to giggle, and then the moment is over. That's how it goes every single year without fail. And as we're sat there in the darkness, our eyes are drawn to the, that single source of light. We cannot help but look at the tree. It never crosses our minds, not even for a minute, to look anywhere else but at the tree, right? 
And this evening, I want us to pay particular attention to this tree that's on the platform. I know that it's not the single source of light in the room, but imagine if it were. No, no worries, because later on we will turn off all the lights as we light the candles, and you'll see what I mean. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. One of the massive themes in the Bible is darkness and light. And light symbolizes or symbolized the presence of God. In fact, Jesus himself is called the light of the world. And so as we read in this verse, this light which is dawning is something that grabs our attention. We're supposed to pay attention to it. We're supposed to focus on it just like this Christmas tree. But verse 2 of, of this Um, scripture in Isaiah shows us that God has given us as a gift this light of Christ. Jesus is this great light that draws our attention. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. When we see, when we look into this light, it's, we, we see the face of Christ. So this light which we read about in Isaiah 9 isn't an impersonal light. It's not a cold light like one of those fluorescent office lights that I have in my office, but I turn off as much as I can because I hate them. It's not one of those lights. This is a light with a personality. This is a light full of love. This is a light that reveals a face which is the face of Jesus. Now for many of us, A Christmas tree represents joy and hope and fond memories. We all have those memories around the tree, or many of us have those memories around the tree. But often those living rooms where the tree goes up are actually also a place of arguing and anger or sadness and tears. Some of us maybe have chosen not to put up a tree because it's too happy and all we feel is sadness and loss. And so we don't want that reminder of happier times in our lives anymore. And this prophecy from Isaiah about a light shining in the darkness was made to people like you. If you feel sad or you feel angry, this is a prophecy for you who were struggling, who is struggling and suffering. God, see, in this, uh, in this passage in uh, Isaiah 9, God is speaking to a people who are under threat of attack from Assyria, which is this large expanding empire. So this is the immediate context of that passage. And that's why uh, in, in verse 4, these images of shattering the yoke and the bar across their shoulders is such a powerful image that the rod of their oppressor will be broken. And then verse 5 actually declares that all of these implements of war, the warrior's boot and every garment rolled in blood will be thrown on the bonfire. And as we look around our world, isn't that a wonderful image, a wonderful hope? But what God is saying is that even in these hard times, there is hope. And this ties wonderfully into the message of Christmas. With all that's going on in the world, like I said, we can see that everything is not as it's supposed to be. We look at Russia, Ukraine, we, we look at Hamas and Israel, we look at the, um, yeah, the Gaza Strip. In less than a month, I'm, I'm, I'm on my way over to the country of Bangladesh, and this nation is home to massive exploitation of workers in clothes factories. 
In fact, this week I just read about a guy in the US who was released after 48 years of wrongful imprisonment. 48 years. And so just like the Jews in Isaiah chapter 9, we look out at this, at this blackout of bad news and we wonder, where is the good news? Is it just this nostalgia that we feel for a moment, for one night every year, and then we go back staring into the abyss? But it's into the bad news of Isaiah 9 and it's into the global uncertainty and the financial distress of these days that we read this, that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And that light is Jesus, the Messiah. But what hope is it that Jesus actually offers? It's nice to have these words, but what is the actual hope that Jesus offers? Well, I have this tree here on the stage because I want to use it to point out some of the benefits, of the wonderful benefits of the hope that Jesus brings. First, in front of the tree, I'm not sure if you can see it, but there is a picture of a family. There's a picture of a multi-generational family. And... One of the hopes, or part of the hope that Jesus brings, is the offer to you to join a huge family, a massive family. In the midst of this looming war, we read this promise to Israel in verse 3, that you have enlarged the nation. God enlarges the nation. Now, we don't really talk about nations anymore, but what the, the now version of that, or the equivalent of that is, is the church is the family of Jesus. And this family of Jesus is ever-growing, ever-expanding, not through threat or war or violence, but through love and through people's hearts being transformed. Jesus is absolutely committed to growing his church. He says this in Matthew 16, verse 8. He says, On this rock I will build my church, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or the grave, or hell, will not overcome it. So when you join the family of God, you become uh, a part of this amazing you know, community around the world of ordinary sinful human beings like me who have found hope in the good news of Jesus. Now, maybe this evening after the service, you're actually going home to an empty house. Maybe this is it, you know, in terms of the warm feelings over this weekend for you. Maybe you're going home to a, a, a home where you feel the absence of a loved one. But even in this reality, let me encourage you that as part of Jesus' family, you can know that you're never alone because Jesus has you in his family portrait. He has you in his, in, in his family portrait. So that is benefit number one. When you join yourself to Jesus, your family is multiplied Number two, the, uh, the second hope that Jesus brings is this, that your joy is increased, that your joy is added to. Just like the lights are on this tree, so when you are united to Jesus, your, light, your life really comes alive. Verse three, you have enlarged the nation, increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, Isaiah 9 verse three. In the family of Jesus, there is a deep-seated joy, a joy that goes beyond circumstances and situations. Now, I hope that all of you tomorrow morning have presents under the tree, at least one. 
But even if you don't, Jesus promises a joy that goes beyond what is currently going on in your life. It's a joy that this world actually cannot ruin or touch. Isaiah likens it to people rejoicing at the harvest. And as you can imagine, in a world or a culture that is so tied you know, to the land, that when people knew that the harvest was going to come in, there was this collective sigh of relief. It's like if you go to Walmart and you know that the stocks, that the shelves are stocked, there is a relief. If you go into Walmart, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember at the start of the, of the pandemic, you went into Walmart and all the toilet rolls were gone and there was a panic, right? But imagine if you go into Walmart and all of the shelves are full, there is this relief. Everything's going to be okay. And that's kind of w- what it was like back in those days, is that if the harvest was going to come in, everything was going to be okay. And that's the hope of the Christian, is that even if we're going through tough times now, eventually it's going to be okay. We're all going to rejoice at the harvest. St. Peter writes this, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and a glorious joy. Would you like to be filled with an inexpressible and a glorious joy? If so, then allow God to adopt you into his family and joy will be added to your life in a way that you cannot explain or understand. In uh, our family, in, 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 uh, we have a tradition that actually goes back to my childhood in Wales. And the tradition is, is this, that we take it in turns to open the presents. It's not a free-for-all. It's not just everyone go in and rip everything. You know, I, I know that's how some of your households handle it. That's not how we handle it. And I like it that way. It was a bit of a fight at the start of our marriage. You know, how are we going to open the presents? You know, is it going to be the Welsh way or the Canadian way? And this was one of the wins that I had early on in our marriage. But uh, I, I like it because it's, it's a civilized way of doing it. And in this prophecy in Isaiah, similar language is used in verse 3. It says, As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Now, most of us don't know what it's like to divide plunder because we're not part of ancient armies and neither are we pirates. So we don't know what it is to separate you know, the plunder or the loot. But the closest that we would get to, to dividing the spoils is opening our presents on Christmas morning. And choosing to be part of God's family is like opening the best present ever. Amen. Right? It's, it's, um, it, it's this wonderful present of love and of security, of new purpose in your life. It's like in those movies where, uh, where the hunter um, or the treasure hunter opens a chest and this golden light shines out of the chest. That's kind of what it's like. When you open this present, this life of Jesus, his life pours into you. And his perfection cleanses you of your sin. His sacrifice on the cross, his death becomes your life. And he takes this burden of sin and regret far away from you. And the good news is that there is enough love and forgiveness and peace to go around everyone. We don't have to fight for it because God is infinite. It's impossible to hog him or to hoard him at the expense of others. We can all take as much of him as we want 
as we can handle, and there's still an infinite amount left to share around or for others, you know, to plunder. In Jesus, we can be those warriors rejoicing when dividing the plunder. So, so far we've seen that in Jesus, we have our family multiplied, we have our joy added to, we have the blessings which are divided among us all, and finally we have our burdens which are taken away. Isaiah says it like this, For as on the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Now, after Christmas, some of us are going to have to come to terms with the charges on our visa or the overdraft that we have to pay off. And it usually comes in an envelope that looks something like this. And this financial debt, this burden of visa charges and bills can feel like oppression. It can feel like a cloud, like a weight is weighing on you, especially now with inflation, with the carbon tax, etc., etc. And spiritually, we also have an oppressor. We have one who works against us, who hangs over us like a cloud, and his name is Satan. And he is actively working against you. He's trying, you know, to keep you down. He condemns you. He's trying to make you feel worthless and useless and unloved. He wants you to think that God never wants to clear your debt. He wants you to think that, that, that God would never want to give a present like that to someone like you. That he would never want someone like you in his family. But on the cross, when Jesus died, the Bible tells us, that God, that Jesus set us free from this oppression. He shattered the yoke that burdens us. He broke the bar across our shoulders. Colossians 2 says this, you were dead because of your sins and because of your, your sinful nature was not yet yet cut away. Then God made you alive in Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So in Jesus, anyone who condemns you is silenced by Jesus who says to them and who says to you, this man, this woman, this boy, this girl is mine. You have to back off. You have to leave them alone. Friends in Jesus, our family is multiplied. In Jesus, our joy is added to. In Jesus, his blessings are divided among all of us. And in Jesus, our burdens are taken away. In other words, Jesus is the sum of all that is good. And so we wrap up with these words. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, if you've never accepted Jesus, or if you've never accepted this gracious offer of God to join his family, please join with me as I pray. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for coming to earth. I thank you for living and for dying for me. I thank you that you are the sum of all that is good. I turn from living life alone and from trying to save myself. 
I turn from my sins and my regrets and I ask you to make me new. Make me part of your kingdom. Make me part of your family. I accept your gift of family and joy and blessings and freedom. Amen. And if you prayed this this prayer tonight, please come and let me know. And I can pray with you and encourage you in your first steps as a newly adopted brother or sister of Jesus. We uh, started this message with these words that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And during this next song, we will take part in the powerful symbol of lighting the candles to show that even in the darkness, as we hold out our lights, the darkness has no choice but to flee. Jesus says to us that you are the light of the world and perhaps your candle is small on its own, but when it's combined with others, it becomes part of a beautiful tapestry of light for his glory. Amen. Amen. Amen.